0: book three chapter fifteen of the crossing by winston churchill this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fifteen an episode in the life of a man out of the blood and ashes of france a man had arisen who moved real kings and queens on his chessboard which was a large part of the world the man was Napoleon Bonaparte, at present, for lack of a better name, First Counsel of the French Republic. The man's eyes, sweeping the world for a new plaything, had rested upon one which had excited the fancy of lesser adventures of one John Law, for instance. It was a large, unwieldy plaything, indeed, and remote it was nothing less than that vast and mysterious country which lay between the monster yellow river of the wilderness the country bordered on the south by the gulf swamps on the north by no man knew what forests as dark as those the romans found in gaul on the west by a line which other generations might be left to settle this land was louisiana a future king of france while an emigre had been to louisiana this is merely an interesting fact worth noting it was not interesting to napoleon napoleon by dint of certain screws which he tightened on his catholic majesty king charles of spain in the treaty of san ildefonso on the first of october eighteen hundred got his plaything louisiana was french again whatever french was in those days the treaty was a profound secret but secrets leak out even the profoundest and this was wafted across the english channel to the ears of mr rufus king american minister at london who wrote of it to one thomas jefferson president of the united states mr jefferson was interested not to say alarmed mr robert livingston was about to depart on his mission from the little republic of america to the great republic of france mr livingston was told not to make himself disagreeable but to protest if spain was to give up the plaything the youngest child among the nations ought to have it it lay at her doors it was necessary for her growth mr livingston arrived in france to find that louisiana was a mere pawn on the chessboard the republic he represented little more He protested, and the great Talleyrand shrugged his shoulders. What was Monsieur talking about? A treaty? What treaty? A treaty with Spain ceding back Louisiana to France after forty years. Who said there was such a treaty? Did Monsieur take snuff? Would Monsieur call again when the minister was less busy? Monsieur did call again, taking care not to make himself disagreeable. He was offered snuff he called again pleasantly he was offered snuff he called again the great talleyrand laughed he was always so happy to see monsieur when he talleyrand was not busy he would give monsieur a certificate of importunity he had quite forgotten what monsieur was talking about on former occasions oh yes a treaty well suppose there was such a treaty what then what then mr livingston the agreeable but importunate went home and wrote a memorial and was presently assured that the inaccessible man who was called first counsel had read it with interest great interest mr livingston did not cease to indulge in his enjoyable visits to talleyrand not he but in the intervals he sat down to think what did the inaccessible man himself have in his mind the man had been considering the anglo-saxon race and in particular that portion of it which inhabited the western hemisphere he perceived that they were quarrelsome people which possessed the lust for land and conquest like the rest of their blood he saw with astonishment something that had happened something that they had done unperceived by the world in five-and-twenty years they had swept across a thousand miles of mountain and forest wilderness in ever-increasing thousands had beaten the fiercest of savage tribes before them stolidly unmindful of their dead they had come at length to the great yellow river and finding it closed had cried aloud in their anger what was beyond it to stop them spain with a handful of subjects inherited from the france of louis the fifteenth could spain stop them no but he the man would stop them he would raise up in louisiana as a monument to himself a daughter of france to curb their ambition america should not be all anglo-saxon already the americans had compelled spain to open the river how long before they would overrun louisiana itself until a frenchman or a spaniard could scarce be found in the land sadly in accordance with the treaty which monsieur talleyrand had known nothing about his catholic majesty instructed his intendant at new orleans to make ready to deliver louisiana to the french commission that was in july 1802 this was not exactly an order to close the river again in fact his majesty said nothing about closing the river mark the reasoning of the spanish mind The Intendant closed the river as his plain duty, and Kentucky and Tennessee, wayward, belligerent infants who had outgrown their swaddling clothes, were heard from again. The nation had learned to listen to them. The nation was very angry. Mr. Hamilton and the Federalists and many others would have gone to war and seized the Floridas. Mr. Jefferson said, Wait and see what His Catholic Majesty has to say mr jefferson was a man of great wisdom albeit he had mistaken jacobinism for something else when he was younger and he knew that napoleon could not play chess in the wind the wind was rising mr Livingston was a patriot able importunate but getting on in years and a little hard of hearing importunity without an army and a navy behind it is not effective especially when there is no wind But Mr. Jefferson heard the wind rising, and he sent Mr. Monroe to Mr. Livingston's aid. Mr. Monroe was young, witty, lively, popular with people he met. He, too, heard the wind rising. And so now did Mr. Livingston. The ships containing the advance guard of the colonists, destined for the new Louisiana, lay in the roads at Dunkirk, their anchors ready to weigh. Three thousand men, three thousand horses, for the man did things on a large scale. The anchors were not weighed. His Catholic Majesty sent word from Spain to Mr. Jefferson that he was sorry his intendant had been so foolish. The river was opened again. The Treaty of Amiens was a poor windshield. It blew down, and the chessmen began to totter, one george of england noted for his frugal table and his quarrelsome disposition who had previously fought with france began to call the man names the man called george names and sat down to think quickly george could not be said to be on the best of terms with his american relations but the anglo-saxon is unsentimental phlegmatic setting money and trade and lands above ideals george meant to go to war again napoleon also meant to go to war again but george meant to go to war again right away which was inconvenient and inconsiderate for napoleon had not finished his game of chess the obvious outcome of the situation was that george with his navy would get louisiana or else help his relations to get it in either case louisiana would become anglo-saxon this was the wind which Mr. Jefferson had heard. The man, being a genius who let go gracefully when he had to, decided between two bad bargains. He would sell Louisiana to the Americans as a favor. They would be very, very grateful, and they would go on hating George. Moreover, he would have all the more money with which to fight George. The inaccessible man suddenly became accessible. Nay, he became gracious, smiling, full of loving-kindness, charitable. Certain dickerings, followed by a bargain, passed between the American minister and Monsieur Barbie Marbose. Then Mr. Livingston and Mr. Monroe dined with the hitherto inaccessible, and the man, after the manner of continental personages, asked questions. Frederick the Great has started this fashion, and many have imitated it. Louisiana became American at last. Whether by destiny or chance, whether by the wisdom of Jefferson or the necessity of Napoleon, who can say? It seems to me, David Ritchie, writing many years after the closing words of the last chapter were penned, that it was ours inevitably. For I have seen and known and loved the people with all their crudities and faults, whose inheritance it was by right of toil and suffering and blood. And I, David Ritchie, saw the flags of three nations waving over it in the space of two days, and it came to pass in this wise. Rumors of these things which I have told above had filled Kentucky from time to time, and in November of 1803 there came across the mountains the news that the Senate of the United States had ratified the treaty between our ministers and Napoleon. I will not mention here what my life had become, what my fortune, save to say that both had been far beyond my expectations. In worldly goods and honors, in the respect and esteem of my fellow men, I had been happy indeed but i had been blessed above other men by one whose power it was to lift me above the mean and sordid things of this world many times in the pursuit of my affairs i journeyed over that country which i had known when it belonged to the indians and the deer and the elk and the wolf and the buffalo often did she ride by my side making light of the hardships which indeed were no hardships to her wondering at the settlements which had sprung up like magic in the wilderness which were the heralds of the greatness of the republic her country now so in the bright and boisterous march weather of the year eighteen o four we found ourselves riding together along the way made memorable by the footsteps of clark and his backwoodsmen for i had an errand in st louis with colonel chateau A subtle change had come upon Kaskaskia, with the new blood which was flowing into it. We passed Cahokia, full of memories to the drummer-boy whom she loved. There was the church, the garrison, the stream, and the little house where my colonel and I had lived together. She must see them all, she must hear the story from my lips again, and the telling of it to her gave it a new fire and a new life at evening when the march wind had torn the cotton clouds to shreds we stood on the mississippi's bank gazing at the western shore at louisiana the low forest-clad hills made a black band against the sky and above the band hung the sun a red ball he was setting and a man might look upon his face without fear the sight of the waters of that river stirred me to think of many things what had God in store for the vast land out of which the waters flowed had he indeed saved it for a people a people to be drawn from all nations from all classes was the principle of the republic to prevail and spread and change the complexion of the world or were the lusts of greed and power to increase until in the end they had swallowed the leaven who could say what man of those who soberly had put his hand to the paper which declared the opportunities of generations to come could measure the force which he had helped to set in motion we crossed the river to the village where i had been so kindly received many years ago to st louis the place was little changed the wind was stilled the blue wood smoke curled lazily from the wide stone chimneys of the houses nestling against the hill the afterglow was fading into night lights twinkled in the windows followed by our servants we climbed the bank helene and i and walked the quiet streets bordered by palings the evening was chill we passed a bright cabaret from which came the sound of many voices in the blacksmith shop another group was gathered and we saw faces in the red light they were talking of the session We passed that place where Nick had stopped Suzanne in the cart and laughed at the remembrance. We came to Monsieur Gratiot's, for he had bidden us to stay with him, and with Madame he gave us a welcome to warm our hearts after our journey. David, he said, I have seen many strange things happen in my life, but the strangest of all is that Clark's drummer boy should have married a vicomtesse of the old regime and she was ever madame la vicomtesse to our good friends in st louis for she was a woman to whom a title came as by nature's right and you are about to behold another strange thing david monsieur gratiot continued to-day you are on french territory french territory i exclaimed to-day upper louisiana is french he answered to-morrow it will be american for This morning, Captain Stoddard of the United States Army, empowered to act as a commissioner of the French Republic, arrived with Captain Lewis and a guard of American troops. Today, at noon, the flag of Spain was lowered from the staff at the headquarters. Tonight, a guard of honor watches with the French tricolor, and we are French for the last time. Tomorrow, we shall be Americans i saw that simple ceremony the little company of soldiers was drawn up before the low stone headquarters the villagers with heads uncovered gathered round about i saw the stars and stripes rising the tricolor setting they met midway on the staff hung together for space and a salute to the two nations echoed among the hills across the waters of the great river that rolled impassive by. End of chapter 15